Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be a memorable episode. This week, we are joined by marketing genius, marketing guru, Seth Godin. And this is an awesome episode because we live in a world where trying to differentiate our product, our service, our offering is becoming harder and harder. And Seth Godin is not just a brilliant marketer because he's written you know, countless books, one of his books that have sold you know, hundreds of thousands of copies is The Purple Cow. And The Purple Cow book is all about how to be different. How can you provide remarkable experiences so your customers become advocates? Another one of his great books is about you know, tribes, finding your tribe. And in this episode, we talk about that. We talk about how to differentiate yourself. We talk about you know, how to find your tribe. You don't build a tribe, you find your tribe. And there was a lot of learning from me, and there is so much learning for anyone that's trying to build their brand and, and create something unique and find their tribe. So before we get into today's episode, please continue to like, share, and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts and hit me up on LinkedIn. You know, I'm one of the very few Luigi Prestonenzis out there. So search for me, please. I'm loving the messages I'm getting. Some of the messages have been awesome. Um, it really inspires us to continue to go and get some of the best guests and to create some of this content for you. So before we get into it, we have a message from our sponsors, Vanilla So guys, for all of you out there, for most sales professionals, we are all using a CRM. You know, CRM was designed for managing relationships. However, sales engagement is designed for starting them. Now, current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform like no other. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. So guys, if you're using another sales engagement platform, stop right now and head over to VanillaSoft.com. Get yourself a free trial because it will help you close more deals. It will help you have more conversations so you can get more opportunities in your pipeline and close more deals. So thank you to the team at VanillaSoft for bringing you this podcast on how to close more deals. So guys, buckle up, enjoy, because I traveled halfway across the world to bring this interview to you. Seth, this is an honor, and I'm very privileged well, to be You came a long way, so yeah. thank you. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> no, thank you, Seth. And look, I, I, um, I was you know, thinking about on the plane journey here of what, what some of the questions I could ask you. Um, and usually when I talk to a guest on the podcast, I read, I read their books. Now, I've had the honor of reading many of your books, and I'm thinking, which book <laughs> do I start with? But I thought, if it's okay with you, that I talk about the book that had a profound impact on me, which was The Purple Cow Book. Okay. Um, so if you're okay for us to talk a bit about The Purple Cow. Bring it on. Fantastic. But before I get into that, can you tell us a bit about how 
you got into the world of business and marketing? Well, I started marketing when I was 14 yeah. um, as a profession, uh, helping my dad with some stuff. I ran a ski club when I was 16. And when I was in college, I co-founded the largest student-run business in the country, in the US. Wow. Uh, but I don't think that's what marketing is. Okay. I think that marketing is telling and living stories that change things for the better. So mm. I think everybody's in marketing. And some people don't want to acknowledge it, and some people aren't good at it. But if you need to influence somebody else, then you're a marketer. Yeah. And would you, you know, it's interesting that you talk about that because I often say that everybody lives by selling because we're all trying to influence someone yeah. in some capacity. And I think over the years, selling and marketing have kind of, um, necessarily I'll say in some organizations they're separate, but right. you know, in order to be a great seller, you've also got to be a great marketer and vice versa. Um, and do you mind sharing with us, you know, I've heard you speak previously about your mentor, um, Zig Ziglar. Do you mind sharing how that came about? Well, so yeah, I wrote a blog post a while ago about mentors and heroes. Yeah. Zig was not my mentor. Zig was my hero. Your hero, okay. I knew him. I worked with him. I published one of his books. But the problem with mentors is it doesn't scale. Mm. It's uneven. That there's nobody who cares about your life as much as you do. And to say to this person, you need to watch out for me, you need to coach me, you need to advise me, I, I don't think that really works. Yeah. On the other hand, being able to say to yourself, what would Zig do, right? Yeah. What, what would Cheryl do? What would Oprah do? What would, then they can be your hero. And you don't have to have ever met them, Yeah. but they're on your shoulder. And so I started listening to Zig when I was 22 and had just started as a salesperson of my own projects. Yeah. Uh, and I used to know it by heart. Uh, 72 hours of this and 36 hours of that I had listened two three hours a day every day for years and years and years in a row yeah uh, obviously like most people I started with the sales stuff yeah but what really worked on me was the how to stay motivated series mm. uh, the goal setting just knowing that making a deposit of positivity every day could help counter all the negative of all yeah. the no's that I was getting and I probably would have benefited from more marketing help and less sales help mm. in those days because I now know why I was getting no's. I was getting no's because I wasn't empathic. Yeah. I was selfishly pitching things I wanted to do instead of empathically understanding what my customers wanted to do. Yeah. And once I understood what they wanted, then my career took off. Wow. It wasn't because I got better at selling. Yeah. It was because I was selling something better. Okay. And... Before you hit that sort of, you know, real aha moment, were there some really challenging times as, a, as you know, in, in selling that were, you know, having a negative impact on you? Oh, every day. Yeah. Every single day. I got 800 rejection, 900 rejection letters in a row. Wow. For over the course of, I sold my first book the first day and then nothing. Yeah. Things like um, I had a meeting that took six months to set up and, mm. uh, Levi's in yeah. San Francisco. And I was switching laptops at the time, so I actually brought my old laptop and my new laptop with me. And I get to the offices, having flown 3,000 miles to get there, and there's another guy waiting to meet with the same person. Yeah. And the person he's supposed to meet with comes out, and it was clear that the guy had double booked us, yeah. that he shouldn't have done that. But instead of saying, I made a mistake, he just completely humiliated the other guy and said it was his fault that... Okay. 
he had shown up on the wrong day, which I don't think was true. And then he calls me into his office and I start doing my pitch and it's not working very well. And 10 slides into it, my laptop starts on fire. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I'm here with this horrible guy. It's not working and my laptop's on fire. Yeah. And it was great. I just shut the laptop, dropped it in the trash, took out my other laptop, picked up, didn't miss a beat. <laughs> and I'm like, how often do you get to do that? Um, preparation, yeah, right? Preparation, yeah, preparation, but I didn't make the sale. There yeah. was a lot of that. There was a lot of, it was personal. Because the things I was selling were mm. things I had invented. So it's not like they said, we don't like your boss, we don't like mm. your client, we don't like you. Yeah. And uh, people, the thing about the book business, even now, is people are eager and open to new ideas. Mm. But every once in a while, you'll meet someone who, at the time, I wasn't mature enough to understand had a problem long before I walked into the room. Yeah. They were nervous about their boss. They were nervous about something. Yeah. And I was the person who was getting the brunt of it. So I took all of that really personally. And how did you work through that? I mean, was that, did you have to, you know, because I, I've, I've had the privilege of interviewing some of the highest performers in, in different sales professions. I just actually interviewed someone in Detroit. Um, he broke uh, Joe Girard's record. Oh, wow. The car salesman. Yeah. And uh, it was amazing hearing him talk about mindset. Um, yeah. everything was about mindset and about empathy and about being in the community and understanding. Um, it was an incredible experience, one that I, I actually sat there and, I, you know, I got lost in, in hearing him talk so much about sure. the importance of empathy. Um, it's pretty amazing that these days someone could have beaten Joe Girard. Yeah, so for me, uh, the mind shift, there were two parts. The first part was um, what does this person actually need? Mm. not what do I have to sell them. And the second part, which goes with that, is I don't know what you know and I don't want what you want and I don't believe what you believe and that's okay. And if I'm not prepared to say and that's okay, then I can never connect with you. Yeah. So being able to go to somebody and say, this idea I brought you, it's not really a good idea for you. Here are three people I know you should buy something from instead. Yeah. And that generosity shift coming because I, I was coming from a place of scarcity for so long because I've been doing so poorly. Yeah. Switching it to an abundance mindset to say, I have this thing, but maybe it's not for you. Mm. It sh totally shifted the status roles, sh totally shifted the trust and enabled me to help other people, not to get reciprocity, but just because I could. Mm. And it made me a better person and it also allowed me to stay in business. Yeah. How important, like, when you think about, you know, there's so many of us selling today and uh, we live in a world of social media, which, you know, it's kind of now in your face all the time, right? Um, how important is it being aligned to purpose and really putting that customer first in order to be that purple cow? Yeah, I think those are three ideas in one. So I don't think they line up. Okay. Purpose is a trap if you get too specific. Yeah. There's only like a half a dozen purposes available to all humans, <laughs> right? That someone says, my purpose is helping antibacterial wipes get a bigger <laughs> market share so that I can help make the world. No, what you're really saying is your purpose is you would like to be a successful salesperson. Yeah. And you don't really care what you sell, but your purpose is to show up in front of somebody else and get them to say yes. Yeah. So all right, now we've established that, we don't have to spend any more time on it. Yeah. That's different than the idea of I could spend my days leaving things better than I found them. 
Yeah. And being a purple cow is a third thing, which is, do people talk about me? Mm. And when they talk about me, what do they say? It's not about gimmicks. It's about, have you left a path, a trail behind that the other person will increase their status, their value to their friends, their whatever, by talking about you. And that means doing a very good job is not the answer. Because a very good job is not remarkable. Yeah, Fitting in all the way is not the answer. It's about helping someone have a conversation that will help them. Okay. That's why life insurance people who ask for referrals, not buying it. There's nothing in it for the consumer to refer you. Why would someone tell someone else about the life insurance salesman they bought life insurance from? Yeah. You don't use life insurance till you're dead. So you don't even know, right? Yeah. But beyond that, yeah. how does it help you feel better about yourself? How does it increase your status in the community to say to somebody, my brother-in-law sells life insurance? Mm. No one says that for good reason. Because now you've incurred this debt with this other person that they didn't ask for. Yeah. Because now if they don't buy life insurance, they, they feel bad. Have. Yeah, absolutely. So, because that's a, that's a really hard balance, right? Because, you know, if I'm selling or if I'm in business, I've got to keep the lights on. And so I need to make sure that I'm, 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 I'm actually making transactions to pay my bills, pay myself, pay my people. Um, how do we then go, well, I need to make it such a remarkable experience that you're talking about me when... If I don't ask for referrals, because there's got to be a time when that that picks up, right? Yeah, Where I, I have I have a bunch of problems with this. First of all, no one asks you to be a salesperson. Yeah. No one asks you to have to keep the lights on. No one asks you to do this. Yeah. So you can't justify your bad behavior just because you made some decisions before I met you. Number two is if you're going to use social pressure to ask somebody mm. for a referral, that's not a purple cow. That's Persuasion, that's Caldini. That's using reciprocity mm. to manipulate somebody into doing something they'd rather not do. And you can build a huge business that way. You can build multi-level marketing that way. There's money to be made by manipulating people with social pressure to do what you mm. want them to do. But then don't come to me and say, my purpose is to make the world better. Don't come to me and say, I, made, I love things better than I found them. Come to me and say, I figured out how to game the system. Just like those people go to singles bars. Yeah. Right? You, there's no question you can go to a singles bar and come home with somebody. But that's not really what you want to be doing. Mm. And so when we look at, you know, what does it mean to be a great salesperson of, say, a car? It means that if someone comes into your Subaru dealership and what they really need is a little two-seater that's made by Alfa Romeo, you should write down the phone number of your friend who sells Alfa Romeos yeah. and send them out the door. Mm. Not persuade them that they're wrong yeah. and that they, what they really should do is buy the thing your boss has told you is on mm. promotion this month because you're doing that for you. You're not doing that for yeah. them. I, I actually really align with that. I, I have a real problem when people put convince and persuas pers you know, persuasive stuff in selling because I don't believe that's the definition of selling. It's about helping somebody achieve something better. And if that means I'm not the right solution for you, then so be it. Um, and how, for, from, from that perspective, how important is the problem in helping somebody identify the problem when right. working with them on the solution? So that's all of it, yeah. right? Because the problem isn't what's the tactical solution. The problem is 
when you woke up this morning thinking about this, where does your pain lie? Mm. So if you sell B2B, which most salespeople these yep. days do, the person who's buying from you, it's not their money. Mm. So talking about money is stupid because all money is is the last thing to talk about when you can't think of any other reason to yep. justify it. The thing to talk about, the only thing the person you're selling to cares about is what will I tell my boss? Mm. That is it. Now, if you need to be the cheapest, then you've just told me what I'm supposed to tell my boss. Yeah. I'm supposed to go back to my boss and say, they're all the same, so I bought the cheap one. High five, everybody. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. it's not true that they're all the same, then maybe I need to tell my boss, there are cheaper ones, but this is the safe one. Mm. Or maybe I need to tell my boss, there are cheaper ones, but this is the one our competitor, General Electric, is buying. Lots of things you could tell her. But as a salesperson, the reason you're in the room is to give that person the confidence in the story that they can bring home. Mm. And in exchange, they will give you money. Happily. Because it's not their money. Yeah. Right? And so that's the exchange. Yeah. Now, it's different if it's a small business and it's the CEO. Because it's her money. Totally different transaction. Yeah. For everybody else, we're selling affiliation. We're selling status. We're selling relief of tension. Mm. We're not selling, you get these benefits for this money. Yeah. That's gold. That'll, I'll, I'll, I'll resonate with this. Because, you know, because we... <laughs> There's obviously um, there's a number of different messages being put through the world of, of, of selling. And unfortunately, you know, there's a few movies that make, um, that give sell, sell, sell But they're good movies. They're great movies, right? Second <laughs> but, prize is a set of steak yeah. <laughs> You know, but one of the, it's funny because one of the questions uh, that I ask sellers when we start training them is when you think of, the, you know, salesperson, what's the word that comes to mind? And 80% of the time it's negative. And my response is, well, if that's negative, then your customers are probably thinking the same thing. Exactly. Right? So, you know, what do you have to do to go to build that relationship, to earn the right to ask questions and help them choose you? Yeah. So if I, you know, if I think about other than your house, what are the biggest expenditures of your life? Well, college, which you competed to get into and pushed, pushed, pushed to get (laughs) to the most expensive one and heart surgery. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where you pay twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars to have someone cut you open, put their hands inside your chest and do stuff. Yeah. Well, both of those involve selling. Because they're the selling of I'll take care of you. Yeah. They're the selling of I see you, I understand you, I think I know where you want to go. Can I help you get there? Mm. But people don't talk about the dean of admissions as a salesperson. They don't talk about a surgeon as a salesperson, mm. but that's the difference between a good yes. one and a bad one. Absolutely, yeah. And so, where where did you where did the inspiration come from to actually start writing these sorts of books? And and the second part to that question is: Did you ever think that you would create such a tribe of people that literally like? Because the impact you've had on me has been profound. And I'm not I'm one of thousands, millions of people. Like it's very kind of you. Um, you know, I didn't create a tribe of anybody. <laughs> the tribe was there before I got there. Okay. Most of us have no chance of creating a tribe. Okay. The tribe, Steve Jobs did not create the tribe of computer nerds. Mm. Yeah, he just yeah. showed up to lead them. Bob yeah. Marley did not invent the Rastafarians. He just showed up to lead them. The Beatles didn't invent teenagers. Yeah. They just showed up to lead <laughs> them, right? Yeah. So there's this group of people there who, before I showed up, knew they wanted to do work they were proud of, knew they wanted 
to count, knew they wanted to get through the things that were holding them back. And I'm like, well, there's a bunch of us over here doing that. You want to mm. come? But if I went away tomorrow, they'd still be here. Yeah. And I don't get to tell you what to do ever, right? I can point to stuff and some people trust me, but no one follows my orders. It's not my tribe. Mm. Uh, in terms of how I got into this, I was, uh, I took no English classes, one, in college. Yeah. And um, I was a software product manager. I did mm. uh, that Perry Mason game. I worked with Ray Bradbury on Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. Uh, but when I had to leave the software company to get married, I couldn't find another environment like that one in New York. Mm. But a friend who I'd worked with in the software business told me about this industry of making complicated books yeah, called book packaging. In England, it's a little different, but in the US, almanacs, dictionaries, yeah. complicated things. So I did the Information Please Business Almanac. I did, I was just looking at it today, the People Magazine Celebrity Almanac. Michael <laughs> Cater actually did it, I just helped. Yeah. But I mean, like, we're talking about the entire internet in the, course, in the form of a book. Yeah. This is complicated. No one person could do this. Yeah. You need a team. 10, 20, 30 people to do these complicated books. And so I liked it because I knew I could get good at it. I knew I had pretty good taste in print. Yeah. I knew I could manage small teams of a dozen people. I knew that I never missed a deadline mm. and that I could run it inexpensively enough that the book publishers could buy it from me. Yeah. And mostly, I loved my customers. Mm. The people I dealt with in the book business Never stole, once stole an idea from me out of thousands of ideas. Always paid their bills, treated me with respect. And finding customers you admire is a really important thing to do. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, I listen to a lot of Paul J. Meyer. I'm sure if you, Paul J. Meyer. Don't know. Over the years from Waco, Texas, you know, Success Motivation International. Like you, with Z, you listen to a lot of his uh, recordings every day in between sales calls it was awesome we live in a world of abundance you know just so i can i can recite a lot of the stuff exactly right? um and a lot of the stuff that he's talked about was your dream accounts you know pick people and i never got it until i i put a bunch of accounts on the on the wall that i wanted to win you know real prestigious that i that i wanted to sure. work with and i remember going back and uh you know 80 percent of those i had won same with my podcast. I actually got to interview my, I, I wrote a list um, and uh, you're on there, Gary Vee's on there, a few others are on there. And the number one person that was on there was a gentleman by the name of Justin Dry. And the reason why I aspire to, you know, I absolutely love him. He's built um, a very successful e-commerce platform for wine. He actually partnered with Empathy Wines, Gary Vee in, in Australia. And he was my number one. Uh-huh. And uh, the power of working with people you want to, because I got to interview him four weeks ago. Fantastic. And, you know, this is, this is the stuff that I share with my kids is like, you know, you put up on the board, dream accounts, yep. you know, yourself. We're making it happen. It's a power of manifestation, power of visualization. Exactly. So we'd love to know, like, you've, you know, pinnacle of success. You've written so many books. You've got an audience of over a million people reading your blogs every day. Um, where do you get inspiration to continue to create more and more content? Yeah, I don't have any problem with that uh, yeah. challenge because I don't think I've ever met somebody who woke up in the morning and had absolutely nothing to say. Yeah. I don't think I've ever met somebody who didn't want to change something for the better. Yeah. The only difference between me and them is I write it down. Okay. 
I don't blog every day because it's ready. I blog every day because it's every day. Mm. Right? Tomorrow there's going to be a blog post, the best one I have available. And half of them are below average. But I've done 7,500, which yeah. means that 3,000 of them are above average. <laughs> and if I had waited for the perfect blog post, I'd still be waiting. Yeah. The way I've written 19 bestsellers is I've actually written 30, 40, 50 books. You've only seen 19 of them. Yeah. Right? But you start, you think about it, you push it, and then one day you look at it and go, I can do better than this, and you do another one. Yeah. But uh, I don't go to meetings, I don't have a television, and this is a privilege. So I'm going to keep doing it if, it if I've got something to say. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a, because I think, you know, what I took from that is a lot of, especially now LinkedIn is, a, is a, becoming a very popular platform and it's really changing the way buyers interact with sellers, right? Um, and one of the challenges is, you know, posting. And, and I, I talk to um, a lot of people like, well, I don't know if it's the right thing to say. What if, what if I look bad? Right. Um, and, you know, what I get from a lot of, of your writings and teachings is start now. Yeah. Just do it. And at the beginning, no one's reading you anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Right? The first six months I was doing this, I had 40 readers. Yeah. So if I screwed up, who knew? Mm. And, you know, the thing about LinkedIn, LinkedIn, like most social media, is a trap because you're waiting for more people to come on LinkedIn and see you. LinkedIn owns all of that, not mm. you. And most people will write 10 things and say, that didn't work, and go on to the yeah, next thing. Next, yeah. Check in with me after you write 1,000. After you write 1,000 things on LinkedIn, then say it's not working. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so I ask um, everyone of my guests this, is sales an art or a science? Well, this is complicated. First of all, sales and marketing are really different things. It's a thousand times easier to sell if you have good marketing. Mm. There are all these people who claim to have built Google and the sales side. No, <laughs> Google built Google, you just took orders. Yeah. Let's be really clear. <laughs> if you'd been at Lycos or Alta Vista, you wouldn't have saved those companies. Yeah. Google built Google. That's where marketing swamps sales. Um, art is what I call it when a human being does something that might not work on behalf of someone else. Yeah. Science is a very specific thing, and science is repeatedly failing with an open mind in search of something that works. Mm. And so by those two definitions, selling is both. Yep. And most people don't do either. Most people follow the manual. They are a cog in the system, and that's why they're not any good at it. Yeah. With your success from selling, did you, was intuition a big part of that success? and following your gut? No, my gut and my intuition were, were completely wrong Okay. for a really long time. That's what we were talking about with me yeah. doing it without outside input. And then I met a guy uh, who had extraordinary instincts and no real understanding as to why he was succeeding. Yeah. But he knew what to do. And he and I did a book together. He was very profane and completely ripped into my idea. It was, the book was my idea and I went to him and he said, I can fix this and did six things and we sold it like an hour later. Yeah. Um, and I thought over the next three months, what did John see that I didn't see? How do I act like John without being the jerk part, but the rest of it, right? <laughs> yeah. 
And then I figured out scientifically what he knew intuitively. Mm -hmm. And so I could do it more. And that was a huge turning point in my ability to sell. Okay, that's really interesting. And if, if you could go back and do it all over again, what's one thing, I mean, it's probably hard to isolate to one thing, but what's something that comes to mind that you would do differently in your career? Well, the problem with that is if I did something differently, I wouldn't be here now because yeah. I changed history. <laughs> yeah. And so I would do all the failures all over again. Yeah. Every failure benefited my ability to go to where I got. I would try, if I could still have the same outcome, to make sure no innocent bystanders got let down. I, you know, we, uh, I saw the internet coming long before anybody else. And when the World Wide Web showed up, I famously said to my team, this is stupid, it's never gonna work. Yeah. Well, let's go back to email. Well, that cost me 40, 50 billion dollars. <laughs> and it cost my team all that upside. Yeah. So I would prefer to help them out by being right about that. <laughs> but on the other hand, if I had done that, I wouldn't have invented email marketing. Yeah. And inventing email marketing is a pretty cool thing to be Absolutely. able to say you did. That's amazing. It's still, you know, it's still the, one of the best ways to engage with prospects and, and customers. You know, you've got now we, we've seen a you know a huge shift in marketing over the past sort of 15, 20 years. Um, have you have you got any sort of insight into what the next 10 to 20 years is going to look like for us? Or so part of the question is what's the next big thing? Yeah. And I think this is the next big thing, which is for the first time in the history of humans, you can have a direct connection at scale with large numbers of people who you can treat differently. Mm. And if you show up in front of people who want to hear from you, they will listen to you. That's not gonna change. It's gonna get harder and harder, but it's precious. That's not gonna change. Yeah. So instead of wondering about AR, VR, the, the AI, just focus on that. Who wants to hear from you and why? And when they talk about you, what do they say? Mm. But the biggest shift is gonna be anything that you can write down where you can say, these are all the steps, a computer can do it faster and cheaper than you. Mm. So we're gonna have to, if we wanna keep contributing, only do things we can't write down. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, uh, pretty, some pretty awesome feedback. <laughs> and if, we, if you had some, you know, young budding, you know, entrepreneurs, marketers, um, that are sitting there and about to start their journey. Yep. Is there any advice you could give them that will help them? In their well, it's simply begin. Yeah. You know, people who are getting very expensive college degrees send me notes saying, how do I get some fancy internship? How do I get started? Mm. And I'm like, here's what you do. Walk down the street to the, ha the nicest house on your block and say, do you have a bunch of junk in the garage that you've been meaning to sell? Because I'll sell it and we'll split the money. <laughs> and go start a store on eBay. Yeah. Or go start a garage sale business. And you got a charity you like, go raise $1,000 for them. And if you can raise $1,000 for them, go figure out how to raise $50,000 for them. You don't have to ask their permission. Just go raise some money and hand yeah. it to them, right? Once you've done those two things, once you've built a successful garage sale business, and once you've raised $50,000 for charity, you're going to be the best marketer in your class. Mm. Go do that. Yeah. Well, that's some pretty... Um awesome advice for anyone that wants to get going and, and you're right you know we uh we learn by doing and i think i've had some great you know moments in my career in selling 
I've had some pretty tough moments in yeah. my career. But they make it all worthwhile. But I wouldn't do one without the other. Exactly. So I want to, you know, say a thank you for inspiring me to be the best person that I can be. And that's our tagline in my business, in my podcast, and what I keep telling my kids, what I tell my son every day um, when I drop him off because I don't drop my daughter off anymore. But he's, he's just be the best version of yourself he can be. Um, that's all anyone can ask. And yeah. congratulations on your son for finishing school. Yeah. So now we're going Because it's summer now. Yeah. In Australia. <laughs> Surf's up. That's right, summer, and he'll be, you know, hopefully that he'll be coming to work with me like he always has, and um, you know. Um, but mate, want to say thank you. Uh, it's a privilege. You know, you, thank know, you for you coming all this way. Inundated with requests, so uh, yeah, thank you so much. All right, we'll see you in Australia. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.